Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. Today's episode is sponsored by Lalo Tactical, www.lalo.com for the very best in tactical boots and workout shoes. If I was you, I would get the Maximus shoe specifically. Use the code Maximus20 for 20% off. We are also sponsored by Nitor Performance, www.nitorperformance.com. Best protein you will ever buy. Use the code Maximus podcast for 20% off. Today, actually kind of in a way, Joe, relates to training shoes and protein. We have had some requests come in from some people that I mean, really, a lot of the podcast topics that we've done, even though they really enjoyed them, they haven't been, uh, I, I think, what some people expect from us. Yeah, I think they're, um, they're, they're looking for some meat when it comes to gym stuff. Exactly. Uh, training knowledge, workout yep. tactics, if you will, uh, things like that. And we decided, I mean, that kind of does fit into our uh, definition of what this podcast is for. We want to make people better in life, better at uh, what they do. And we do use training as a platform for that. I mean, I think that if you look at both of us, training is the main platform that's built on. Yes. So we decided that we're going to get into a a bird's eye view, I guess we would call it, of training. Um, We could probably do a hundred podcasts on training to tell you the truth, you know, on on various individual topics like VO2 max intervals, uh, nutrition is a part of training, Mm -hmm. warm-ups, cool-downs. But we are going to try to give people a roadmap that they can actually implement into their lives. And then if you guys like this podcast, we are happy to dig deeper in future episodes. Yes. So we are going to get right into this because there's a lot of uh, stuff to get into. So Joe, we're going to start with goals. Right. I think that's kind of the, the, the whole key that you have to start with, because otherwise, what are you training for? And if you don't have a, a point B to get to, you can't draw a line from where you're at to where you want to be. So you have to identify what those goals are. And I think this is where most people screw up, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. without setting a proper goal. And I feel where they screw up is most people, their goals are too vague. I yes. mean, people say, I want to be fit. The the questions I ask myself are fit for what and fit compared to who? Because mm-hmm. fitness is, uh, it's a relative term. You could be really fit for running a marathon, uh, but not fit to do a strongman competition. Right. At, at the same time, you could be really good at a performance sport, but extremely unhealthy because performance and health, they don't always go hand in hand. Yeah. Amen. And, and one of the questions I get a lot is why, uh, why is CrossFit effective for people? And I think the first thing is because of the, the very first thing you learn out of the blocks when you, when you get into CrossFit, you start doing their certifications is that they have their own definition of what it means to be fit. And yes. so it gives you a straight line to follow. Now you may agree or disagree with that. That's fine. But the, the whole training program follows that definition. Yes, for sure. And you will get good at CrossFit. And that's yes. a good example because, you know, a good friend of mine, Tommy Hackenbrook, who's, you know, one of the, one of the notable CrossFit competitors, yes. uh, you could argue he's one of the best ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we always, you know, kind of joke around back and forth and we're pretty competitive with each other. We joke about who is more fit of an individual. Well, if you have us doing kipping pull-ups, snatches and ring dips, you know, three CrossFit movements, yeah. he's going to be the more fit individual. If you compare us uh, in terms of Brazilian jiu-jitsu fitness or MMA fitness, like fighting mm-hmm. fitness, well, I'm going to be the more fit individual. So it all goes back to that goal. Yeah. One, one thing I like to ask people is sit down and just think about what's truly important to you. Uh, what single thing might change your life? Mm-hmm. And for most people, to be honest with you, it's not fighting in the cage. Right. It's not making the CrossFit games. It's going to be to lose weight 
maybe build a little bit more muscle. Uh, maybe they want to do a local triathlon or a 5K fun run. I kind of joke around and, and, and say that people just want to look better naked. Yeah. For yeah. 98% of people out there, that's their goal. Well, you said before that uh, the big mistake that a lot of people make is that their goals are too vague. And I think it's okay for your goals to be very general, but they got to be specific. So if your goal is a general fitness, that's like like you're describing now, like I just I want to be a little bit stronger. I want to be a little bit leaner. I want to look a little bit better naked. That's a specific goal. So, yes, you know, versus like I just want to get fit and then not actually understanding what that means. Yeah, I would argue, though, Joe, that even saying you want to put on a little bit more muscle is not specific enough. I, I would want to have people after they name their goal, sit down and analyze it. So Mm -hmm. kind of figure out what fitness skills you'll need to achieve it. So if you want to build more muscle, I would start asking questions like, where do you want to build more muscle? Do you want more in your legs? Do you want more in your triceps? Why do you want to build more muscle? Do you want to look better in clothing? Are you trying to build muscle for a sport? Because building muscle for looks is different than building muscle for sport. Yes. I look at this category. I mean, you've been through uh, numerous seminars Mm -hmm. and I would put this in the, I guess, a category of sub goals, if you will. Right. So once you analyze your goal, I want to be a more fit person. Okay, great. Well, now what does that mean? Maybe define what that fitness is to run a 5k in 22 minutes, right? To deadlift uh, one and a half times your body weight or double your body weight. You're going to have to come up with some definition, or I guess this could lead right into the next section of the podcast Mm -hmm. to come up with some list of standards that when you can hit all those standards, you've met your ultimate goal of being fit, if you will. Right. So when it comes to standards, I don't think there's a universal list. We have talked a lot, Joe, about various standards. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and you've helped me develop really a list of 20 standards that I've got listed on my website, uh, listed in the Maximus Body Book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's a big part of the Maximus Method certification. And, and, and I'll read some of those off. We've got a double your body weight back squat. That's for a man. Uh, the woman's equivalent is one and a half times your body weight for a back squat. Uh, deadlift for a guy. I've got two and a half times your body weight. And I've got double body weight for a woman. Now, it's interesting, Joe, because we went back and forth on the deadlift for the past five years. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes it's double body weight. Sometimes it's one and a half times body weight. Sometimes it's triple body weight. Uh, I want to make it clear that these standards are for high level general physical preparedness. If you had somebody that we could do all these standards, you've got an extremely fit individual. Yeah. Right. And not just one of the standards because by themselves, these aren't that high. Yeah, exactly. You know, a two and a half times body weight deadlift is not going to win you the deadlifting world championships. No, no, no. But if, if you can do a two and a half times body weight standard. And then as I look down the list, you can run a 10 K in 50 minutes Mm -hmm. and you can Turkish get up half your body weight and you can bench press your body weight for 10 reps. You're a pretty fit individual. Yes. Right. Yeah. You're you're firing on all cylinders, not just a one trick pony. That's exactly it. And so as we go through, we've got a front squat standard, an overhead squat standard, a bench press standard, a power clean standard, 60 seconds on a fan bike, a 500 meter row. Uh, if you're interested in reading these, you can go to bobbymaximus.com and you can get a whole list. And mm-hmm. I think maybe even we could put these in the show notes. For yeah, people. I was going to say that. We'll put them um, in the show notes. If you're interested uh, in the standards for men and women. Um, but the point here, I don't want to spend too much time on this. This is a well-rounded list of 20 standards that, that we've kind of developed and are 
argued about back and forth for the past few years yeah, for con- general physical continue, fitness. Continue to right? argue about, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But the, the, the point here that I'm trying to make is that if your goal is just to look better, you don't need the overhead squat standard. Yeah. If your goal is to look better, you might not even need a row standard or a deadlift standard. I mean, I always ask people the question, and I'll pose this to you, Joe, as a serious question Mm -hmm. because you've got a great deadlift. Yeah. What are your goals right now? To look good. Okay, to look good. uh, Can you expand on that a little bit? Is it important to you to be respected as a fitness professional? Yeah, absolutely. Image is everything. So I, I have to look the part for sure. You have to look the part. Is it important to you to uh, be respected in the industry? Yeah, you know, absolutely. by your by your peers. Yes. Okay. Your max deadlift was what six hundred and fifteen pounds. Right. And that was at a body weight of about two twenty. So you've got close to a, we'll call it close to a triple body weight deadlift. Yes. Is your credibility going to go down if you can only deadlift five fifty? No, not at all. No. Will it go up if you can deadlift six fifty? No, probably not. Uh, And the next question would be for your goals. Would you rather look uh, what are the terms the kids use these days? Insanely shredded, jacked, uh, you know, like, would you rather look the part and deadlift 550 or be fat and deadlift 615? Right. So for me, want to look the part. And if performance slips, that's that's okay because I'm not in a performance sport right now. Right. Sport. And the other thing is a 550 deadlift, let's face it, you know, I wonder how many people uh, that listen to this, uh, you know, we'll call it out of a thousand people, Mm -hmm. how many people can deadlift over 500? Not many. You're already so far off the charts in terms of normal fitness. Mm -hmm. You don't really need any more. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if it's going to risk your health. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like if, if you I, hurt if, yourself. Yeah, amen. If I throw my back out, I'm I'm done for a while and everything is going to slip at that point. And you can't do it. And and what we're trying to do, if you kind of got lost a little bit, uh, if you're listening, what we're trying to do is determine for you, Joe, I mean, in real time here, mm-hmm. uh, is deadlifting triple your body weight? Is that important to your overall fitness goal? So really the lesson here is that your list of standards, A, you can use the standards on the Bobby Maximus website as a, as a signpost. Uh, you can go to Joe's website and, and uh, decide that Joe does a certain exercise. So you have to do a certain exercise. You can pull standards off the Instagram, off any other fitness professional you want. Mm-hmm. But they have to relate to your specific goal. Yeah. I mean, if you're a power lifter, who cares how far you can row in 60 minutes? That's exactly it. Or a 10K run. Yeah. And and if your goal, if you're sitting here listening to this thinking, well, I'm not a professional lifter. I just want to look better. Want my wife uh, to be more attracted to me or my husband to be more attracted to me. uh, Be able to play with my kids. Have Mm -hmm. some longevity. None of these standards might relate to you. You know, and so you've got to make them relatable. The other thing I want to say about standards, and this confuses people, is everybody wants to be good at everything, but it just doesn't work that way. The more standards you have, the lower they really have to be in relation to each other. So if you only want to be good at one thing, like a marathon, great, run all the time and let everything else go to shit because it doesn't matter. Conceivably, you can get what's the marathon time right now, 202 I think oh, it's a record. Yeah, it's going for two hours on the next one. He's running like ridiculous. Yeah, so, so he's, he's really fast. I don't think he cares what he can deadlift. Yeah. I don't think he cares what he can overhead squat, but that's what he's going for. And that's going to allow him to achieve tremendous performance in the marathon. But you decide you want to be good at running, good at lifting, good at a sport. You're going to have a hard time uh, having high, high numbers in each one of those areas. One of the, uh, one of the examples, Paul or uh, Joe, I almost called you Paul. Have you ever met Paul Timmons? Uh, I don't know if we've actually met. 
Okay. You're aware of him though. Uh, Paul's, yeah, I know who uh, Paul is. Yeah. Paul's somebody in our circle, uh, someone we greatly respect. And Paul's somebody who's competed in the Kona Ironman. Uh, and, you know, I believe he's done a sub 10 hour. Mm-hmm. He's run a sub three hour marathon. And at a body weight of 164 pounds, he deadlifted, I think it was 485. Yeah. And I remember talking to Paul about he wanted to get his deadlift better and get his marathon time better. At 164 pounds with a three hour marathon and a 485 pound deadlift, something's got to give. And the advice I gave him is you want a 500 pound deadlift, great. Settle for a 315 on the marathon. Mm-hmm. You want a 245 marathon, great. Settle for a 465 on the deadlift. But there will come a certain point where you can't be world-class at both. Exactly, yeah. Right? And and I, I think people are afraid to to like say, okay, I want to get my deadlift up so I can do zero cardio. And it's yep. like, well, what's your deadlift? And it's like, it's weak. You're not there yet. You should be doing both. Until you just cannot progress on either end of the spectrum, you yes. need to train both. You've got to bring that that level up all around, and then you make that decision. Yeah, and one thing uh, to add to that, I would say, don't let this be a limiting factor. I know we're sitting here telling you the more goals you have, the harder it is to achieve high performance in each, but high performance is probably a lot higher than you think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, having a 300 pound deadlift is not impressive. Mm-hmm. Running a four hour marathon is not impressive. Like yeah. don't, don't think that you can't do both of those things. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and again, if you can do both of those things, like that's great. I mean, that, that's actually more impressive than being able to do only one of those things. I think so. If yeah. you want to know what, you know, what people are capable of, again, look at the standards we've developed or look at your, you know, typical high end CrossFit athlete. Mm-hmm. Right. Like look at look at Matt Frazier. Look at Rich Froning, uh, Jason Kalipa, um, Iceland Annie. Look at some people. Camille LeBlanc is another great CrossFit but competitor. You, I used to do this thing uh, at the end of every open because the it, it's all self-reported. So I'm, I'm not going to imagine like this is super scientific. But the uh, the CrossFit Games website, people could list like some of their benchmark girls, their 5K runs, you know, their max lifts. And I would actually take like the top 20 competitors in each division and do a little spreadsheet and come up with an average of yep. like. You know, so for for the you know masters thirty five plus women, what were the top twenty athletes? You know, five k times. What were their deadlifts? And then use that for the athletes in my gym to say, this is what you're training for. These are the kinds of numbers you're yes. going to need to hit to be competitive. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to do. And the beauty of the internet now is, I imagine, because you and I are both old enough to remember life really without the internet. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, you couldn't just research this stuff. Yeah. Like you didn't have access to really everyone in the world. You had to go to a library and use an index card. (laughs) Yes. And and even then, you might might get some numbers from guys from the 70s. Yeah. Now you can Google almost anybody and come up with some numbers. Yeah, yeah. And Instagram with Instagram at your fingertips. I mean, you could probably look up the top 50 CrossFit athletes in the world, a bunch of basketball players, a bunch of football players, uh, NFL combine numbers. You can come up with almost any measure of fitness you want in really two seconds, as fast as Google types, you yeah. know, takes to load a page. Well, and the, so, the next the next place that this really leads then is if, if you've got your standards identified and maybe you've picked three things, maybe you've got 30, you've got yes. to test. You've got to find out where you're at in comparison to those standards. Yeah, because you might you might already make all your standards and yeah. then you decide you're not fit enough and you have to up those standards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but before we go on, I would recommend that you make, if you're listening to this at home, a list of 10 standards. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think it's overbearing to expect 10 standards. Um, it, and, and I certainly like having more than less. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it can get ridiculous if you have 30, like you said, but I think 10 is good. And also don't be afraid to have uh, what I call subjective standards in a way. Like, do you look good? Do you like the way you look in a mirror? Yeah. That could be a standard. It doesn't have to be a measurable number. Yeah, because like you said before, I mean, I could have a, a 800 pound deadlift, but, you know, look like Jabba the Hutt. That's right. That's probably like if my standard is to look good, well, then I'm not meeting that standard. So then I have to exactly. go back to the drawing board. Yeah. You know, uh, or the standard of does your back hurt? Yeah. Because yeah. maybe you're doing this for health, right? Was, Who cares I was what your say numbers that are? Too. Yeah. What's right? your performance? I always say, well, how do you look, feel and perform are really good standards. Yeah. Have you been pain free for a week? Mm-hmm. Have you been pain free for 30 days? That could be a fine standard. So when we look at testing, the, the numerical ones, I think, are fairly easy to test, Joe, mm-hmm. because you go do the thing and you see how you do. So yeah. if your standard is a 2000 meter row in seven minutes. Hop on a rower, row 2,000 meters as hard as you can, and it's going to spit out a number. If you hit 658, standard achieved. Move yeah. on. If you hit eight minutes and you feel like you're going to die, standard not achieved. Maybe you have some work to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do that with the deadlift. You could do that with the bench press. You could do that with the power clean. And a lot right? of folks have asked me, like, how do you test? You know, like, what's the, the best protocol, especially for the weightlifting stuff? Uh, and I like what I call the 10 set rule. And the way that the 10 set rule is, so let's say today's the day you're going to test your deadlift. So you need to get three warm up sets at least. So you're going to get one fairly light, maybe do like 10 reps, a little heavier, do 10 reps, a little heavier, do 10 reps. Your fourth set should be a lift at 90% of your, your current one rep max. If you don't know it, it should be a heavy lift that you know you're capable of getting. And then your yes. fifth set is where you go for it. Yep. And if you and if you set a really good standard and you're happy with the lift, you're done at five. But sometimes, and this this has happened to people, they're a lot stronger than they think, and they go to pull that heavy lift, and it goes up way easier, and they want like another shot at it. And so then I'll say, okay, maybe do six, maybe do seven. But now you're starting to get greedy, and you're starting to get risky. And so okay. the rule is never more than ten sets to. Find okay, so that's where that max. that's where the ten set rule. Yes comes in, right? Um, and, and I think that's a fine method. I have a bit different of a method. I tell people to do 10 reps at a lightweight that they know they can do, mm-hmm. uh, seven reps at a medium weight, five reps at a moderate weight, three reps at a heavier weight, and then do a couple of singles. And mm. in, in I've heard the triple method. I'm sure you've heard this. Yep. Do three, put on some weight, do three, put on some weight, do three. Eventually when it gets really heavy, do one. Yeah. And, right. and I mean, really, the idea is that you, you do get some warm up, some practice reps, uh, but you're not exhausted by the time the weight gets heavy. That's and, exactly it. And, and there's no drawback from starting off a bit slow either. Right. Because the last thing you want to do, I mean, if I was to think of the overarching theme of our program here. Uh, and we both ve- preach very similar things. It's the first priority is to do no harm. Yes. Right. If you don't need to know what your deadlift is today, mm-hmm. like you're not a professional lifter. Mm-hmm. Don't push it overly your first time testing. Work up to a number that's comfortable. And if you don't feel that that's good enough, test again next week using right. your old number as a starting point. I use the phrase a PR is a PR no matter how small. So yes, if you're going for exactly. it and you get a five pound PR, you're done. That's good. You, you've you improved. You're finished. That's it. You don't need a 50 pound PR every time you lift. That's just asking for trouble. 
Well, and you do want to be careful because I've had people come into the gym and they don't listen. Yeah. And they push themselves too hard and they end up with a bad back and they were all excited to get on this great training program. And then it sets them back a month or two yeah. months or some people for life, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. They you can know, never you get can overcome really that. Sure. Yeah. Screw yourself up. And so I would say, I would say start slow, dip your toe in, but yeah, test yourself. Another test could be like we said, like if you want to be 30 days pain free, well, that's a 30 day test. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, really, and it's probably ongoing for, yeah, the, for the rest of your life. Keep a journal. You know, like yes. have, have something mathematical about your methodology. Yep. That's what a test really is. How do you look? I mean, I strip down naked and look in the mirror. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that could be could be a test. But either way, you're going to have to test yourself. Now, where testing becomes really important, I think uh, we're going to talk about programming in, in a little bit. But um, for your average person, you can go into the gym and do almost anything and anything's going to work. Yeah. To be honest with you, you probably don't need to know your one rep max deadlift or your overhead squat. But as you get more fit, numbers become more and more important. And if some of your workouts are based on a percentage of your one rep max, you absolutely have to know your one rep max to be able to do that program. And and I want to piggyback on that um, because I, I think, too, like going to the gym is like learning to speak a language. So the more you do it, the better you get at it. And so you might be coming off the couch with no idea what your deadlift is and it's really not that important but two three years down the line just by nature of you having spent so much time in the gym working and practicing and getting good at things like you're going to have a much better idea where yes. you're at and so it's like the 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 more you do the longer you're in the fire the more precise your guesses get yep and and i mean again depending on what your standards are and what your overall goals are you might never need to know a true one rep max but you might just have a rough idea of what a good training max is i've actually got a great example of this joe mm-hmm. um and and I kind of glanced down at my phone while we were doing this, and a guy I've been training named Brandon Ermini just won the Chicago Open for uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, which is really incredible considering where he was a few months ago. Uh, he's new at my gym. Uh, he's from my Jiu-Jitsu gym. Uh, he's seen me fight, uh, and he kind of came to the conclusion that fitness could help him be better at his sport. So I've been training him, and he just won the gold medal, which congratulations, uh, Brandon, yeah, if you're listening. Uh, amazing work. I'll probably do a post about him later. Extremely proud of the guy. But with the deadlift, Joe, when he came came to me a couple of months ago, he had a really bad back. Do you know what we had him deadlift his first day? Mm -mm. 75 pounds. That's it. He wanted to do more. It felt good, but there was no need. Yeah. So the next week we did 95 and he told me that he had doubts whether or not he'd ever be able to deadlift over 135 pounds. So the next week we went to 115. Mm -hmm. The next week we went to 135 and he was psyched. The next week we did 185. Well, a couple months later, he just deadlifted 300 pounds a couple of weeks ago. And this is coming from a guy who never thought he'd do over 135. Yeah, yeah. And that was in two months. And he is thrilled. And one of the things he told me, he actually sent me a text about his jujitsu. And it said he feels much stronger than he ever has. So Hmm. why would I make him do 300 on the first day, blow out this guy's back who has a terrible back, and then we would have lost all this progress? Oh, yeah. And then you're you're reinforcing all the fear that's keeping him from even trying. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it took two months, but he's in such a good place and excited and thrilled with the outcome. You can have a slow growth method. Listen, if you've been unfit and and Joe, I've heard you say this This is who I stole this from. Uh, If you've been unfit for 20 years, why do you need to be fit in a week? Mm hmm. 
right? Like, <laughs> and you think you're going to be fit in a week if you've been unfit for 20 years, you know, yeah. it's not going to happen. Well, I, I try to remind people that growth, like internal physical growth happens at the rate at which cells divide. Yes. So I don't care how hard you want to throw yourself into your six week boot camp. Like you're, there's only so much your current body can do until cells start getting replaced and start yes. growing and getting stronger and adapting. So it takes time. You got to be patient with yourself. Yeah. And I've seen people make radical transformations in terms of fat loss and things like that. Mm -hmm. But real fitness, have a long term view of this. You're not going to be extremely fit in three months. Yeah. Yeah. You might look a lot better. Mm -hmm. You might dump 18 pounds or 20 pounds or 25 pounds. You you, you might be way more fit than you were. But having a real level of fitness, it's going to take some time. Yeah. So you go through this process. You have your 10 goals. You kind of test yourself. Well, now you got to find yourself a training plan. Mm-hmm. And this is where people get really confused, I think, Joe, because there is so much information out there. I think for a lot of people, it's almost informational overload. It is. It is. And and th- there's a sense that there's some kind of a right answer. Yes. You know, like a particular number of sets and reps or percentages is better than another. And and again, if you don't have a goal clearly identified, none of that is even going to be applicable to begin with. So people get lost in the weeds on this stuff. Yes. And, and, and I would add this. The more specific your goal, chances are there's a more specific training program. Yes. So if you were to take the 100 best marathon runners in the world, their training programs probably look pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. There's some individual differences, but it's fairly similar, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to take the top 20 weightlifters in the world, their training programs look fairly similar. Yes. If you just want to look good, there's at last count 8 billion training programs that have been written <laughs> that can help you do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. truthfully, you could look good by just having a better diet and practicing yoga. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that, if that was your goal to just look good, it's kind of like the old saying, everybody's got abs. They're just hidden under layers of fat. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need some special magic sit up program. But this is where people get confused because you look online and it seems everybody's a trainer these days. And there are, like I said, eight billion training plans. Yeah. Well, which one works for you? I guess you got to ask yourself a, a bunch of questions. Which one works for you? How much time do you have to train? What equipment do you have? Do you even know how to do all the exercises? Yeah. Yeah. Can, can you do it alone or do you need a lifting partner or a spot? I I see this with CrossFitters all the time too, where they're like, um, I want to get better at weightlifting. So I'm going to follow so-and-so's weightlifting program, but I also need to get my deadlift and my bench up. So I'm going to follow a powerlifting program. I also need to run faster. So I'm going to follow a running program. And it's like, you can't just combine all these different things into one effective thing. They weren't written that way. Yeah. And especially when you don't understand what you're doing. Yes. Right. A lot of people. And and here's a real thing, Joe, and I liken this to plumbing or electricity. You take a doctor, uh, a heart surgeon, we'll say Mm -hmm. you would think a heart surgeon would have the intellect necessary to do some plumbing. Would you agree with that? You would think, yeah. Right? Like you'd think he's passed a bunch of tests. He's, you know, because changing a tub spout isn't that hard. Yeah. Right? Actually, like hooking up a, a, you know, drainage under a sink shouldn't be that hard, Mm -hmm. but it's terrifying, right? So what does the doctor do? Because you're terrified of the unknown. So what does the doctor do? He calls the plumber. Yeah. At the same time, that plumber uh, is looking, you know, at his light switch and he's like, man, I'd love to change that light. And electricity isn't that complicated. Right. Like if you've ever changed a light fixture, it's not that hard. But what does everyone do? Call an electrician because it's scary. Mm-hmm. If you could do plumbing, you're smart enough to do electricity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then that electrician calls a mechanic yep. to fix his car. 
cars aren't that complicated. I mean, I guess some of the new ones with computers and things like that are. But if you're smart enough to be an electrician, you can probably rewire a car. And you can also make the jump. And there's probably some doctors that are going to be really angry with me for saying this. <laughs> but the human body is not much more complicated than a car in ways. Yeah. Like fixing an ACL or an LCL or uh, putting a couple of <laughs> screws in somebody's bone. <laughs> now, it's, a, it's a pretty serious thing. Well, have, right? you, have you ever actually witnessed like somebody getting their, their ankle screwed back together? Because uh, I have. As when, when I was a CO, I I had to stand in the operating room, gowned okay. and masked up while the guy was getting his ankle. He, he had fallen and busted, like shattered it. And yep. I'll tell you right now, and even the doctor would say, it's not a pretty thing. It's just power tools. It's just yeah, a it's, screw into bone. It's not a precision nope. thing. And maybe maybe there's a lot of responsibility associated with it. Oh, so you, that's scary. You've got all the but, infection control, the the you know yes. the drugs and the uh, anesthesia, all that stuff. Yeah, it's very yeah. complicated. I'm not downplaying that at all. But I mean, no. the physical act of doing a hip replacement is just power tools, and you know, well, that's the thing. So so if you're a mechanic and you can rewire a car, you probably should be able to do some medical stuff too. Yeah. But all these people are scared. Of it. And my point by, by that long-winded story is that a lot of people are scared by exercise. Mm-hmm. Like what – the question comes up, what if I screw myself up? Yeah, yeah. Like what if I do too many push-ups and I ruin my shoulders? How much pushing should I do compared to pulling because I'm going to hurt myself or get an imbalance or I'm not going to get fit? The reality is for most people, you just have to start moving and it's a pretty simple plan that will work. Joe, you take you take somebody and, and you train a lot of these people like you're a really good – we call you a transformation expert. Yep. And and you take a person who hasn't worked out in five years and is 30 pounds overweight. Do you give them a complicated program to start? <laughs> no. You know what I mean? At all. Yeah. Like, well, like what, some walking, practice yeah. some push-ups, practice some squats. We've shared stories about people that come into the gym that are unfit and you give them a st- like a typical warm-up you give your classes and they're uh-huh. crushed and they're done. Hey, I've had trainers from other facilities that have come to try it out and haven't yes. made it through a warm-up. Well, that's exactly it. So how, why does it need to be so complicated? I mean, yeah. and I feel like there are people who get so bogged down in the minute details of writing a training plan, they never actually get their ass off the couch and do something. Yeah, right. Right. Like, like you're so worried about what training plan you're going to follow. Why don't just like, why don't you just do some pushups or walk mm-hmm. or just go for a run every morning? Well, and I say, what's the worst that could happen if all you did was every day you tried to get 100 push-ups in and you're so yep. worried, well, I'm going to overdo my shoulders. Like what? what is the risk of you trying that for a while and if your shoulders yeah. are getting sort of backing off? Yeah, that's it, right? Um, I always joke that the best program in the world is wake up, go for a mile and a half run, then do 100 push-ups, 100 squats, and 100 sit-ups. Mm-hmm. Someone says, well, what if I can't run a mile and a half? Run a quarter of a mile. Yeah. What if I can't do 100 push-ups? Do 10. What if I can't do 100 sit-ups? I don't want to do 20. Mm-hmm. And work your way up and every day try to do one more. You'd be a pretty fit individual, Joe. Well, if you think about 365 days in a year, if you yes. started only able to do one sit-up and by the end of the year you hit 365, I'd say you were a pretty fit individual. Pretty fit individual. And if every day you ran a mile and a half as hard as you could, did 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, and 100 squats – I think you'd be a pretty damn fit individual by the end of the year. Yeah. 
Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I I'd like to think I'm really good at programming, but I'm trying to think of a program you could follow that I could write that would work better than that. And I'm not sure if one would. And again, everything comes back to what's the specific goal, right? If, if somebody comes to you as a power lifter and you're like, yeah, just 200 pushups a day, probably not going to be enough. But for somebody who, who, like you said, as you know, they're 30 pounds overweight, never trained. Like, let's just start with getting into some habits here. Like, let's take a 10 minute walk and you tell me how far you got. Yes. And, And, And I would say that comes to our next point too. Besides the habits, the most important part of this whole thing is you have to actually execute your program. Yes. Right? Like you can have the best program in the world, but if you're not willing to work hard at it, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, I'd rather have you on a shitty program and work your ass off than have the best program in the world and miss all kinds of days. Have you ever got the question of how do I write the perfect program? Because I've gotten Uh, it several times and I tell everybody there is no perfect program, only perfect execution. That's right. And, and, and really that should be the easy part to just show up and work hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, that, that's it. Take some notes as you go through the first four to eight weeks of your program. I don't know, maybe pay attention to what exercises feel hard, yeah. where you need to improve, wh- where you're improving, anything else you think is relevant. I mean, it's shocking if you just show up to the gym and try random shit, but pay attention how smart you can get in terms of writing a workout program. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, like, it's, it's a simple process, really. Right. You you test yourself. You train where you need to train. Right. So if you if you hit certain standards, that's not the focus. If you failed other ones, that's what you're going to focus on. You work on it. Then you retest and then you assess how things went. Yeah. Rewrite and, the program and go for the next, you know, however long you're going to go for. And it's funny. It's no different than analyzing a sport. Right. Right. Because it's the NBA playoffs. People will watch a guy have a terrible free throw percentage. Mm hmm. And every idiot watching at home is like, why doesn't that guy practice free throws? <laughs> it's a pretty obvious answer, right? So it's the same thing. If your bench press is shitty or your deadlift shitty, why don't you do more bench press or deadlift? Yeah. Like it's not that complicated. It's it, when you put yourself in the middle of it, you make it complicated. Right, and there's that, probably a bunch I, of people out there listening that do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. With, without any doubt at all. But yeah. I think we, we, we've sort of hammered on like the, the big picture stuff. And what I find is interesting is, I mean, we're, I don't know what, we're 35 minutes into this podcast right now. Um, now we can get down to the brass tacks and really start giving yes. people like a how-to. And there's really two ways that you have to look at this. And and we kind of started with like the macro, the big picture, right? So like what, yep. what are the big goals? How do you kind of come up with the theme of your program? But when we talk about how to build an actual workout, I mean – it's really straightforward. So I don't think this will take super long to go through. So I'd like to hit that. And then we'll talk a little bit more about how to string workouts together and kind of create the overall program. Okay. So let's, let's on that note, then let's uh, not forget that the first thing you have to do though, before working out, Joe is have a good pair of shoes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is the biggest thing. Uh, My wrestling coach used to say the hardest part was putting your shoes on Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, that's just getting up and doing some effort, but not when they're Lalo shoes. That's the easy part. Yeah. Um, Go to Lalo Tactical, Lalo.com, L-A-L-O, and get yourself a pair of Maximus shoes. Uh, It is a truthful fact as well that if you wear Maximus shoes, your workouts will be, I think it's 48% more effective is the last 48.4. 
48.4% effective. And then uh, after your workout, refuel with some protein because you need protein to build uh, big, strong, good-looking muscles. So head over to NITOR, N-I-T-O-R, performance.com. Back up for Lalo. Use the code Maximus20. Get yourself a discount. Don't buy them without your discount. And, uh, you know, the code for NITOR performance, N-I-T-O-R, performance.com is Maximus Podcast. And get yourself some some really good protein. I like how seamlessly that was done. I'm actually getting questions, Joe. People say they look forward to how we're going to integrate the sponsorship. I hear that too. And I honestly think if we if we never drew attention to it, they might not even notice. I think it's that. No, they just be like, yeah, I just got to get these shoes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so sales have gone up 800% since the last podcast. (laughs) Yes, I like it. So with the training program, though, back to that, Mm -hmm. the the first thing that I do with people, um, and and I know you do as well because we do train very similarly, is try to figure out some kind of training split. Yes. And and what we mean by training split, are you going to train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Mm -hmm. Are you going to train Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Are you going to train every second day? And a lot of this, Joe, I'd like to tell you it's determined by science, but for most people, it's determined by how much time they have and how willing they are to devote themselves to the task at hand. Yeah. And I think whatever the science is, I think is irrelevant because it's just not going to apply to most people. No. And the reality is if you are a person out there who wants to be a world champion in a sport, and we probably do have some listeners that Mm -hmm. are that good, uh, this talk really isn't for you. Yeah, yeah. Because you've already got your training plan and you're willing to devote 16 to 18 hours a week well, to God, it. God bless you. Hopefully you have like a training staff that's doing a lot of this for you yes. at that point too. The number I use is Michael Phelps. Uh, there was a number floated around that he trained 1,300 hours a year for mm-hmm. 10 years straight. So if you divide that for 52 weeks a year so he doesn't get a week off, he's training 25 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, that's a full-time job. He's in a pool from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday to Friday. Yep. I mean, at that point, he thinks a bath is work, right? Because he's (laughs) in the water. So if you're that guy and you're willing to donate that time, you probably aren't even paying attention to this anymore because you've got your plan, you've got your program. What we're talking about is your your basic individual that wants to be more fit, that's struggling with, do I train four or five days a week? Yeah, yeah. Somebody who's just just trying to get better use out of a gym that they're already a member of, right? Exactly. Do I have time to train four times a week? Mm Mm-hmm. I'll uh, tell people you need to train five days a week. And the minute they say to me, well, I don't know if I have enough time for that. Well, you're not that serious about your fitness, right? So you've got to determine how many days you're truly willing to train. And when I ask people this, Joe, I want them to give me a realistic number. Don't tell me you're going to train five times a week if you can only train three times a week. Right. Yeah. Because I'm going to write the program differently. Yep. You know, if you can only train once a week, fine, if that's all you're willing to dedicate. But I'm going to write the program differently than if you tell me it's even 10 or five. I'll admit, I'm I'm like a soft starter. If somebody tells me, well, they want to train three days a week, I'm going to write the program that way and let them come to the the realization that they could probably train four or they could probably train five. And then they're coming back and they're asking me for more. Yeah. And you can always add in. And again, if you've been unfit for 10 or 20 or 30 years or even five years, you're not going to get fit in two minutes. Right. So start with something that you think is doable two or three or four times a week and then see how you do. Mm -hmm. And you can always dedicate more time. So 
sit down. Uh, if you're listening, you know, take a pad of paper and decide how many days a week can I really train? So you come up with your number. And I think for the purpose of this podcast, Joe, we should go with three times a week. Yes. Uh, I think that's what most people will, will hit on. And I mean, yep. it, it's not hard to figure out how to squeeze a fourth or a fifth in. No, so I think it's a good, a good usable number for most people. Yeah. You could, you could always, what I tell people is plan to be in the gym doing weights or weighted type stuff three days a week. And mm-hmm. any other day you have time to train, just go do extra cardiovascular activity. Yeah. That'll get that would be there. a really good plan for, for general fitness overall. Mm-hmm. And for right? just looking better. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So now you, you decide you're going to train three days a week and decide how long you want those sessions to be mm-hmm. 45 minutes, an hour, because that's going to determine how you write your actual workouts. If you only have 20 minutes to do a workout, you're going to do a different workout than if you have two hours. Yes. That's just, I mean, it, it seems pretty simple when you put it like that. Yep. So the next thing you want to decide is in this temp, you were building your template right now. So you're going to work out three days a week. We'll call it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yep. Just for simplicity's sake. And yes, you yes. could do Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday or whatever. There's no magic of the universe that, yep. that Monday, Wednesday, Friday stuff has to happen. Um, but I will have you note that Monday is international chest day. Yes. So you do need to do bench press <laughs> if you're going to bench press. And and it's actually, it sounds it sounds like a joke, but go into any big box gym, like a 24, you know, seven fitness yep. and Equinox and everyone is doing chest day on Monday. Yep. It's just the way it works. So <laughs> um, you've got, you've got your three workouts. You've got that set. They're going to be an hour. Now I think what you need to decide is what those workouts are going to focus on. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to go back to your goals. If your goal is to be really, really strong, maybe you're going to do three strength workouts a week. Right. So Monday you're going to work on strength. Wednesday you're going to work on strength. Friday you're going to work on strength. If your goal is to be a better marathon runner, well, maybe Monday you're going to work on running. Yeah. And Wednesday, you're going to work on running. And Friday, you're going to work on running. And if you want to be good at triathlon, what is it? Run, bike, swim. Yep. Monday, run. Wednesday, bike. You know, Friday, swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to have better cardiovascular conditioning. Maybe you're going to have intervals on Monday. Maybe you're going to have a cardiovascular time trial on Wednesday. Maybe you're going to have an endurance workout on Friday. Start to define what your individual session is going to focus on. I think you need to drill down a little bit too, Joe. Like it's great to say you're going to work on strength on Monday, but what body parts do you want to be stronger? Right. And that's going to be affected by how many strength workouts you're going to get in the week, right? Because if yes. you're only getting one, you're probably going to try to hit on as much as you can in the time that you've got. Yes. And then again, you, if, if you've only got a half hour to train or you got two hours yep. to train, that's going to change the way that you approach things. Unless you only care about one lift. Right. Right. Yeah. Like if your goal is only to get your deadlift stronger, we'll work on your deadlift. Yeah. Then that's the goal. Right. That's the thing you're working towards and everything and else that's can just thing. can wait. Yeah. And and people ask, well, I, I, I'm confused. Like, I don't know how to set. Look at your goals. Yeah. Look at your test results. If you make 10 goals, we'll say you want to have a double body weight deadlift and you only have a body weight deadlift, you got to deadlift a lot to get to a double body weight. Yep. If you have a 1.9 times body weight deadlift and you're already really close to the standard, you might only need to deadlift once every two or three weeks. Yeah. So the further away from your goal, the more you have to do that exercise. So you're going to you're going to come up with your template and I would want you to on your paper, I would say for very general purposes, Joe, I would say to do one strength workout a week and then the other two, I would have some type of, what do you think, like circuit training or standard bodybuilding format, like sets and reps type Mm -hmm. work, you know, Metcon type work, CrossFit type workouts. Uh, You know, I would I would want to see something like that in play. 
Yeah, I like kind of like a max strength day and then a power or a strength endurance kind of a day where you're moving, you know, uh, uh, moderate weights for reps. Yep. Instead of trying to max them out. And then for and, my third day, I would always do something cardiovascular based. Yes. Um, but you can you can get cardio by, you know, the joke yeah. is lifting weights faster. Yeah. Well, so sure. when we say cardiovascular, it's not necessarily you going for a run right. or, you know, going for a swim. Uh, it could be doing a circuit of weights really fast. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I used to laugh at, Joe, but it actually is really successful for people is go to the gym, pick an exercise for uh, your, your chest muscles mm-hmm. and do three sets, 10. Yeah. And, and then pick an exercise for your back. So pull-ups, lat pull-downs, rows and do three sets of 10 and then pick one for your shoulders and do three sets, of 10 and then one for triceps and one for biceps and then one for your quads, like a leg press or something mm-hmm. like that. And then one for your hamstrings and then go home and yeah, just do three and, sets and of 10 for each. You can legit get really fit doing that. Yes. And just make sure the weights are strong enough that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That the weights are heavy enough, not strong enough, that the weights are heavy enough that 10 is close to failure, that you're yeah. tired by the end of it. Well, and that um, e- each time you attack that, you're you're trying to add more weight, right? You need that progressive yes. overload. So you're trying yes. to, to do more. And and if you want the format for that on my website, I do have, I think it's called the Where Do I Start program. Yeah, yeah I think it's actually called, now that I think about it, it's Where Do I Start? And it's a program for beginners and it's that exact format. The other one I like, Joe, is the old Nautilus circuit. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah. Um, Tudor Bompa, who's kind of like the, uh, the, the modern, I guess, father of periodization. Um, was really kind of at the forefront of that. Um, but just having the machines, uh, my gym has this where there's like 15 machines in a, in a oval on the floor and they're numbered one through 15 and you just start at one you do like a set of 10, move to two, do a set of 10, move to the third machine, do a set of 10. And you just do that for half an hour. The goal is to move through it three times. And I've seen people, uh, I used to work for good life fitness in Canada and that was their circuit. It was on Nautilus machines and they used to talk about how great this thing was. And I'm like, this is ridiculous (laughs) till you actually go through the circuit at a heavy enough weight and a it fucking crushes you. Yeah, yeah. And B, you see people do this day after day, and these people get really fit. Yeah, well, and it's so, there's so many just inobvious uh, effects of doing that training. Um, and so in a, in a good, like, periodized, year-long strength training program, uh, it's good to do, like, a four- to six-week cycle where all you do is that kind of circuit training because it's so good for, like, the tendons and the, the things that you don't feel, right? Uh, this, this big idiot I know once said, fuck your feelings when it comes to training. Uh, and so... <laughs> You know, sometimes it's not like coming to the gym and feeling like you got your soul crushed, right? Feeling yep. like you, you had to go to your dark place. Uh, sometimes you actually just have to come in and do what's good for your body. And that exactly. kind of training is so good. It, it You know, the, the tendons don't get strong as fast as the muscles do. And so yep. having that focus and having that progressive overload is actually a really good way to just make your body, you know, more indestructible. Yes. Now, we've talked about these Nautilus circuits and, and, and things like that. And and I guess this is a good time, Joe, to get into actually like workout design a yeah. little bit. Here, here's the you know, format folks like step one right. step two here it comes yeah so the first thing we have everybody do is come into the gym and do what we call a general warm-up it's 10 minutes of cardiovascular activity at a fairly good clip i mean one mm-hmm. of the mistakes i see people make with this warm-up is they talk while they're on the rower yeah they walk on a treadmill they go easy on an elliptical trainer and listen if you're really unfit it might have some value but push yourself a little bit on this warm-up like yeah. get a good sweat why is this important well you know it, it's only 10 minutes But that volume can really add up, Joe. Yes, it does. Right? If you were to do uh, 10 minutes three days a week 
times 52 weeks of the year. Uh, that's 1,560 minutes divided by 60. That's 26 hours of cardio. Yeah. That's a lot, right? Well, and that's I'll, just I'll, for 10 minutes of workout. Combine this with a cool down at the end of a workout, which we'll talk more about later. But right, yes. if you're doing, uh, let's say a 10 minute run at a, at a I'm, I'm going to say like a kind of an easy pace, like a 10 minute mile. Yeah, you're so gonna one get, mile. You're going to get one mile at the start of your workout. You'll cool down with another mile, right? So that's two yeah. miles every day that you work out. Yeah, you that's know, that's 312 miles a year. I mean, that stuff starts to add up. And then somebody's like, hey, do you want to run a 5K? And you're like, well, gosh, I run two miles every day, you know. And, it, and if you're doing, you know, good recovery workouts and you're running for an hour here, or maybe, maybe you are more general in your fitness and you have a longer running workout later in the week, like, gosh, that stuff really starts to add up. And at the end of a week, you find yourself running 20, 30 miles just as a warm-up and a cool-down. Well, that's exactly it. You can you can do a lot. It, that's just your warm-up, you know. You're, you're getting something. You want to get yeah. that, that rowing standard? Spend 10 minutes on a rower every day. You're going to get pretty efficient at rowing. Oh, for sure. The other thing I'd say, too, is your body works better when it's warm. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, the warmer you are, the harder you can do you go when you can push yourself in weights. Yes. So why not warm up? Well, and right? mentally, it's, too. It's, it's just your chance to clear your head and get focused. I got to use I use my favorite line, Joe. All right. There's always one jackass at the seminars I teach that say, well, lions don't warm up. <laughs> when, when a lion hunts in a wild, it just goes from a dead stop and it runs. And guess what? You're not a fucking lion. <laughs> Like, that's great that lions do that. What makes you think you're a lion? You're fat, you're slow, you're overweight, you're weak. You are so far from a lion, it's not funny. Quit worrying about what yeah. you saw on Animal Planet or whatever. Because people do come up with this ridiculous stuff to get out of the work. Yeah, do the warm-up. It's non-negotiable. Do Always do it's the warm-up. not that hard. Yeah. You know, and my favorite is, well, cardio is going to kill my game. <laughs> we, we've addressed that. Screw you. We don't you, have time for that. You, you, you can't deadlift your body weight. You don't have gains. Yeah. Yeah. You're skinny. You have a belly. It's funny what people will do to try and get out of stuff. Well, like, like Just running, like running for 10 problem. minutes is going to cause your deadlift to drop. Like, come on, yeah, dude. Like, exactly. Yeah. And especially when a lot of these, like some of the best lifters in the world do some cardiovascular activity. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. So you're going to go in, you're going to do a 10 minute warm up. Could it be a 20 minute warm up? Sure. I find personally, Joe, most people are not willing to spend two hours in a gym or an hour and a half in a gym. Right. So if you've only got 45 minutes to work out or an hour to work out, they're probably not going to spend 20 on a warm up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, a lot of this just comes down to how much time you've got to give. If you're trying to get in and out in 20 minutes, you're probably not going to get a full 10 minute warm up in. No, you know. that's for sure. So yeah. this is to a degree dependent on time. Yeah. So I just say scale it to what you've got available, but I would never go into a workout without doing some, some level of warming up. No, for sure. But could you take 20 minutes? Well, now we look at our numbers and if we're going to look at some math here, mm -hmm. let's say you did a 20 minute warm up and a 20 minute cool down every day. That's 40 minutes of work, right? Yeah. Three days a week. Now you have 104 hours of cardio. That's a lot, Joe. That's and, and two again, yeah. one hour sessions a week. And that's not even focusing on that, that you just get. That's just bonus because you're putting the work in. Yeah. So it's not that difficult. So spend time warming up. The next kind of thing that we recommend you do is do some type of, uh, we've called this a specific warm up before. Mm -hmm. uh, we've called it accessory work. We've called it uh, building. We've called it supplemental work, but work on some things, A, 
to get yourself ready for the main event of the day, right? So if you're going to deadlift that day heavy, maybe you should warm up your hamstrings. Maybe Mm -hmm. you should warm up your back. Maybe you should warm up your your quads. So do some, practice some pull-ups, some lat pull-downs, some hamstring curls. I would liken this to the appetizer for a meal. Right. Like you're, you're trying to make yourself a little more hungry really is, is what you're doing. What you don't want to do is fill up on the appetizer so you can't eat your main event yeah, that's or your good. main yeah. course, if you will. Yeah. So just do enough that you're warm and ready for the actual workout. This could be practicing some pushups and pull-ups. Mm-hmm. This is a great area, I think, that you can work on your weaknesses. Well, I think this is where if you've got, you know, bad shoulders, this is where your daily shoulder routine comes in. If you've got some low back issues and you've got some like PT exercises you want to work in, this is the place to do it. Um, I remember we were talking about this. Gosh, I, probably a year ago, uh, and I had mentioned a, a particular uh, shoulder warm-up routine that I like with uh, uh, dumbbell front raises, lateral raises, and like rear delt flies at the end. And you had said that the only reason you wrote that in the specific warm-up for that particular program was because you knew nobody would do it if you wrote it at the end of the workout. Yes, so, exactly. So, so some of that stuff you you put in there because you know you need to do it. Well, and, and on that note, I'm glad you, you worded it like that because it just prompted my memory. One of the things that I recommend people people do is just make a list of your weaknesses yeah, yeah, and just work on those every time you do your kind of like supplemental warm up or specific warm up, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult. Um, again, people ask how much should they do? I don't know. Three sets of 10, five sets of two, uh, six sets of six, five sets of five, a couple of exercises, three sets of 10. There are so many different formats for this. I can't and, even and begin again, to, how much time have you got to give and how dedicated are you to, to reaching those goals? Yeah. And how much can you handle before the actual workout? Yes. Or not too. the workout before the main event, the, the right? The main event. Exactly. So, so you can, you can experiment and the worst thing that's going to happen, you're going to not do enough and you know to fix that the next time by doing more Yep. or you're going to do too much and be tired and then you can fix that the next time. Yes. And, and the fitter it's, you are, the more you can probably get away with. That's exactly it. But it's going to be time restricted a little bit because if you have two hours to train, you can do a bunch of this stuff. Yeah. When I was training the people at U CrossFit, I've, I've said this before, but I, I, I trained the, the first CrossFit team ever to win the games back to back. It was U CrossFit with Tommy Hackenbrook. Our workouts were two to two and a half hours long. And Joe, an hour and a half of that was this specific warm up type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like the actual main event was fairly short. Yeah. Well, most CrossFit events are fairly short, so it kind of makes sense. Like do all the, the bulletproofing stuff, address all the, the, the weaknesses so that you can bring, you know, the best athlete to that event. No, for sure. Now, if you only have an hour or let's go extreme now, you only have 20 minutes to work out. You don't really have time for the stuff. No. Right. Like you got to get right down to business. You don't have time for an appetizer. This is where you, in terms of food, you literally have five minutes to eat. So you just, you, you go right for the main course. Yep. So you've done your specific warm up type stuff. Now we're going to do the main course. What What is the main course? Well, if it's a strength workout, that's going to be the name of your, I look at like the main course, Joe, or the main event as like the the name of the, the split you're working or like, I guess right. what the main template was. Yeah. So if you decided to do strength on Monday and uh, we'll call it cardiovascular fitness on Wednesday, on Monday, the main course is going to be a strength workout. Yep. 
So what does that look like? Lift some heavy. I mean, without getting all sciencey, <laughs> lift some heavy ass weights. Yeah, and we've got a bunch of of workout formats. I think there's four of them. You know, five by three at eighty, four by four at eighty. Like those are available. Almost anything will work. Just just pick something and stick with it. I know. Uh, uh, what is the Wendler? You know, five three one. Great. Go for it. It doesn't have to. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to get stuck in the weeds. Just lift some heavy weight and and make it count. Yeah, for sure. And what what are the numbers here? I mean, for people uh, in general, percentage wise, eighty to one hundred percent of one rep max. That's a general yeah format. For yeah. most people, I mean, if, if you were looking at and there's a bunch of books we can reference Mel Siff's super training, uh, Michael Yeses's stuff, um, A.S. Prilipin's stuff. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that we can reference. But in general, you're going to lift weights at 80 to 100 percent of one rep max. If you don't know what that is, you know what I love? CrossFit's five heavy singles. Yep. That's a pretty easy one to do. Right. So just lift heavy five reps, 10 reps. I don't know, but lift heavy. If on the other hand, it's a cardiovascular fitness day, what kind of workout? are going to help you get better cardiovascular fitness interval workouts mm-hmm. right um circuits there, there's there's a lot of great circuits out there yeah. progressions or chippers uh that's kind of like I, what would you word that joe stations would that be the way you word it yeah like yeah you, you, you kind you of finish one thing presses. move to the next move to the next move so it's everything's in order sure yep trying to think what other kind of workouts that we have. I mean, basically, if you're not going to go do an endurance workout, and that's what I mean, like by doing 90 minutes of cardiovascular activity, you're basically doing a strength workout or some type of power endurance circuit or cardiovascular workout. Yeah. Do you agree with that as a whole? Yeah. I mean, when you right? really break down like, you know, the different energy systems that you're you're trying to train to get particular adaptations out of an athlete. Yeah. Yep. It, it really only comes down to a handful of things. And in the specific movements you choose, you can cater that to, to, address particular weaknesses the, yep. the crossfit method you know mentality is to just keep it constantly changing so you're not getting too good at one thing yep. and you're trying not to ignore anything that's a great i love that joe uh what does p90x called the science of muscle confusion yeah yeah just do different stuff every day yeah don't get caught in the trap of doing the same thing day after day because your body adjusts no, it's, I always get the question too, like, well, what about, you know, if I, if I do too much pushing and not enough pulling and I develop an imbalance, like, well, yep. when you develop the imbalance, we can address it. Like deal with it then. Yeah. Cause right now you're not fit and you've never lifted a damn weight in your life. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, so you go, you go through the main event, then what you're going to do is we're going to do uh, kind of what we did for the appetizer, right? Except this is going to be your dessert. Yeah. This is where you're, you're, uh, you're still a little bit hungry. You need a little bit more work. So you're going to work on some accessory stuff. I look at the specific warm-up, the accessory work before the main event and after is very similar yes. in nature. Yes, it is. The difference is for the end, you can go as hard as you fucking want. Yep. Because you can afford to be tired after that. Yeah. After after you've had your, your appetizer and your healthy meal and you finally get your slice of pie, you can dive face first into that slice of pie. Yep. That's it. So – you're going to do your accessory work. What's this going to be limited by? How much time you have? Mm-hmm. I mean, you might be done your workout because you have to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? It might be um, in, stretch out, hit a workout and leave. Sometimes that's the way it goes. That's exactly it. So you're going to you're going to do your stuff. You could do uh, three sets of 10 again, a mm-hmm. couple of exercises doing three sets of 10. One of the things I would recommend, Joe, is for most people, general fitness is important. You have to be strong and have good cardiovascular yeah. fitness. So if you lifted weights in your main event, then maybe you should do some cardio. Yeah. Like a thousand meter row for time, a run, mm-hmm. intervals for your finisher. 
Yeah. If on the other hand, you did a lot of breathing, like a circuit workout or an interval workout in your main event, do some structural stuff, practice some pushups and pull-ups for your mm-hmm. finisher. And again, depending on your goals, right? If you have a bunch of strength goals, well, you can figure out where your weaknesses are in a particular lift. Like if you know you're, you're failing your deadlift off the floor, you, well, I need to strengthen my lower back. I need to strengthen my hamstrings. Like that's where you can put that work in because you really want to hammer that stuff hard. You know, if yes. you're having a hard time uh, locking out your bench press, you need to get your triceps stronger. Well, this is where you're going to put in your tricep pushdowns to failure and really just blow yourself up at the end. So this, it, it can be to, to address exactly what you said, which is a, a general fitness goal is do the thing you didn't do, right? Or yes. it can be do the thing that's going to make the thing you did do better next time. That's exactly. Kind of how, that's, that's how I look at it. I, it again, I love it, that advice. It depends on your overall goals. If your goals are very general, then you go one way. And if they're very specific, then you can use this part of the workout to be very specific. So next, after the finisher, you get this done. You do a cool down. Now, again, because we kind of talked about this already, building cardiovascular fitness is an important part of the overall fitness profile, and you can get a lot of volume. So, so do a cool down. But cool downs will also help you recover faster. I, I tell the people when, I, when I'm running my classes, recovery starts now, right? So now we start the cool down, we begin the recovery process. Yes. Yeah, the work is done. This is the cool down. It might feel like work, but we're starting recovery. We're getting the body out of the, the destructive mode of, of a training session and into the rebuilding mode. Let's recap. We've got our warm-up, our specific warm-up, if you will, or structural type work, your main event, your finisher, and your cool down. And that's it. And there's your workout. We could have done this podcast in 10 seconds if we would have just put it that way. Yes. Now, uh, one thing to, I guess we need to give people some resources, right? Right. Um, um, to try and figure this out. So if you're going to come up with a workout and listen, I get it that this is pretty simple. We probably should do really Joe, a podcast on these individual workout components. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you like this, drop us an email and let us know. Cause we'll gladly do this again. We could talk yeah. about workout shit all day. Yeah. But if you don't know how to design a specific warm up. If you don't know how to design a main event workout, get a resource that can help you. Yeah. And there's tons, you know, tons out there. Well, there's one. Right. The Maximus body. <laughs> so it is one of the, one. you know, Joe, and I'm going to tell my own product here, but you've used it a bunch of times. Yeah. It's got a hundred workouts in it. Mm-hmm. It's got warmups in it. It's got specific warmups. I think there's seven specific warmups you can do. Uh, then there's a bunch of main events. I think there's 25 circuits, uh, 10 interval workouts. There's some no gear workouts. If you don't have equipment, there's 10 strength workouts. There's some mass gain workouts. So you can pick a main event. Uh, nine finishers, Joe, I think there is Yeah. in it. There might be 10. It might be seven. I can't remember. I'm not looking at it. Um, and then there's cool down. So you could just really get this and use that as a template and plug and play. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how the book works. Right. And and that's not the only resource. Follow you on Instagram. I think every Wednesday you put up a workout Wednesday workout. Yes. Right. That's that's easy. Yep. Go to your website and pull stuff out of your training programs. Yeah. And we uh, both, so we to, both have training programs on each of our websites. Yeah. So, I mean, you could start looking at stuff for models and yeah, who cares you're copying somebody else after doing the workouts, you will figure the shit out. Yeah. Yeah. And, right? and I, I really, I know it sounds like you're touting your own product by bringing up the, the book Maximus Body, but one of the things, even me as a coach who understands all of this stuff, I really liked having the workouts written out for me. Me too. You know, because I'm writing programs for other people all the time. If I start writing programs for myself, I never follow them the way that I no, wrote them. The worst person to write a program for you is you. Exactly. Because you're biased. I can't write a program for myself. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I do when I'm on a program is send it to you. Yep. Say, Joe, look at this. And so you can be 
honest yeah, yeah. because I'm biased. Right. And you can yep. tell me what, I mean, my, my phrase is you can really tell me what time it is. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the, the, the training program. So, um, I think this has been good, Joe. I think there's a lot of information for people. Um, again, set your goal, come up with some standards that relate to that goal, decide how many days a week you can train, build your training split. So strength on Monday, cardio Wednesday, whatever you want to pick, then make your little workouts and away you go. Yeah. It's not that complicated. Uh, resources for people, the Maximus Body Book. Uh, invest in your education. Come to a Maximus Method certification. Yeah. Maybe do another certification like a CrossFit Level 1. I think that's a great course. Mm -hmm. uh, the RKC Strong First has great kettlebell courses. There's yeah, some great no-gear courses. Take a TRX course. You can always learn. Mm -hmm. uh, take a course with the NSCA. Do your CSCS. I mean, a certification. There's a lot of education out there for you to have. Um, go to websites, josebula.com, bobbymaximus.com, crossfit.com's got a bunch of workouts listed. Yep. Yeah, the CrossFit, that's not the CrossFit journal is super. I, yeah, I that's a great one. Um, look on Instagram, follow mm -hmm. some people. And listen, you try a workout and it's not great, leave it alone. Don't do it again. Yeah. You try a workout and you love it, put it in your journal and try it again a few months later. Yeah. Just by going to the gym and showing up and doing some stuff, you're going to get good. And that's it. It's that simple. So thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, I, I want to say, Joe, this seemed a little general because, I mean, we teach seminars for three days on this stuff. Yes. <laughs> and we barely scratch the surface, well, right? And we, I think we've gone a lot longer than I was really hoping that we would go on this. And, yeah, I still feel like we've barely scratched the surface. Yeah. But uh, we can do some stuff in the future to, to drill down for you guys. So thank you for your time, uh, the, you know, and, and visit us uh, at Joe underscore Cebula, C-E-B-U-L-A on Instagram. I'm at Bobby Maximus. You can get to our websites from there and we'll see you for the next episode.